I don't want our children. I don't even want our senior citizens. I don't want just our adults to be getting their identity from this world any longer. So you have a couple of options. You can get your identity from this world and it is spending a lot of energy and time and resources on telling you who you are. Or we can allow God to give us our identity. And so this morning, that's what I just want to focus on for a few moments. Is your God-given identity. I truly believe that there are some of us in this room today that for the very first time, we're going to walk out of this building and into another work week with a different name. So let's just go right into Judges chapter 6. And I'm just going to be skimming through a few of these verses. Judges chapter 6, we come to a man by the name of Gideon. Gideon is his given name by his mother and his father. Every single one of you in this room, you have a given name that your mom and dad have given you. Gideon is the man's name that we're going to be looking at here this morning. And I don't know if you take notes. I don't know if you write some on your phone or if you write in your Bible. But in my Bible, right out beside of the name Gideon, I wrote what his name actually means. And his name actually means mighty warrior. See, that's good knowing what his real name actually means as we go into the beginning of reading this story of Gideon. Gideon's name means mighty warrior. So I'm just going to pick up on around verse 11. You guys can go read the details of where Gideon is, where the Israelites are, where his people are. They're basically being torn apart. Israel has enemies and the enemies are tearing them apart. Gideon must have been a smart man because he knew that if the enemies found him, they would one, likely kill him and then take everything that he and his family possessed, which he was accurate. And so Gideon was actually hiding from the enemies as we pick up here in this story. He's actually threshing wheat in a wine press. So what does that mean? I know that many of you have heard this story and I like to give you visuals because I'm a very visual person. Can you imagine if you went to um, grill a steak in your bathtub? That is what Gideon is basically doing here. Because if I come to your house to pillage your house and eat all of your steaks, I'm probably not going to look in your bathtub for a steak. That's exactly what Gideon is doing here. He is hiding his resources in a place where the enemies would not dare probably to look. He is threshing wheat in a wine press and he is hiding from the enemy because he is terrified. Gideon, at this point, is very fearful for his entire existence. Now let's pick up in verse 11. It says, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under 
the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite. Now, this is the Wahlberg translation of those names. I know that we have some Jewish, Hebrew, Greek scholars in the building. That's your own fault. He was there under an oak tree, Oprah, that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. They are the enemy. Verse 12 says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I love this. There are some of you in this room today and you don't actually know your God-given name. I know that you may be called Scott or Joe or whatever, but you don't actually know your God-given name. And it's not God's fault that you don't know your God-given name. I'm not going to be um, probably politically correct when I say this, but it's not God's fault that you don't know your God-given name. It's your fault. You see, we've not had an environment, one that is prepared, one that where teaching has taken place, where, where we've said that there's a God-given name out there that God calls you by every single breath. He calls you by that name. He calls you by that identity. Every time he says your name, he is speaking your name to you. We've just not taught it. And again, I don't want to continue to harp on the fact that our children are over there learning to hear the voice of the Father because I need my fourth grader, I need Lincoln to know that Lincoln is the name that mom and dad gave him. He is not an angry child. He is not someone who tears up everything that he touches. He is not someone that just flies off the handle sometimes. No, he does those things. But that is not who God sees him as. And even when me and my wife drop the ball sometimes with our children and we, we respond to them sometimes out of our flesh and we get angry. We were talking just last night that Lincoln, our little fourth grader, he busted out the front window of our house with a wiffle ball. You can't do that. It is thermodynamically, strategically, scientifically, genetically impossible to bust a window of your front house out with a wiffle ball. It was a wiffle ball. It sounded like North Korea just launched a missile. We... I sometimes get to him in my flesh. Lincoln, you destroy everything. I've said that. I'm quoting myself. But as I journey in this thing, I start to learn that that is not who he is. And so I don't speak to him as I see him. I don't need for him to wait till he's 43 years old 
to understand that God has been speaking his God-given identity and name to him from the foundations of the earth being laid. I need him today to discover who God is calling him, what name God is calling him. Listen, God shows up to Gideon in a fearful state, hiding from the enemy, and God doesn't come down and say, hey, what are you doing, Gideon? He didn't even call him by his given name. God spoke to Gideon and he said, hey, what are you doing, you mighty warrior? See, it's why it's important for us right now, even in this very second. In churches for hundreds of years, we've just done this same structure. We give some guy who probably just showed up first on the scene, the microphone, and we tell him to talk. That's how I got here. I just showed up first. And every one of you, and listen, I love the attentiveness But sometimes the church and man can get in the way of God doing things and saying things into your life that he is always intended for there to be. And so what I want to do is just spur you on to take what you're hearing the word of God say into your own life. Don't allow the church and its structure and even the preacher with the loud voice to get in the way of what God is wanting to say and be and do in your life. Now, I hope that we're adding to this journey and I hope that we're spurring you on and causing there to be a thirst and a hunger in you. But I want to just say, don't allow the distractions of even a good thing to keep you from hearing what the Father is saying to you and about you. Because right now, he is speaking And he is breathing your God-given identity over you. Just a little side note for some help. For some reason, it's easier for us to hear the world and the enemy and we hear our own self-talk that is sometimes derogatory to ourselves. You don't know what else to do and you're saying, well, I'm not hearing God right now, but you're hearing the world or your inner self-talk or you're even hearing the enemy. Whatever that is saying to you, the opposite, 99% of the time is going to be how the Father sees you. I didn't even know I was fearful of some things. The opposite of fear in the kingdom is courageous. God is always speaking your true name, your true identity over you. Verse 13, Gideon replies, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? We're all God's wonders, and you can read this on, verse 14. 
Here's who Gideon thought he was. Catch this. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Verse 15 says, but the Lord, but Lord Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? Catch this. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my family. Right there, that tells me that Gideon, mighty warrior, has been listening to the wrong voice his entire life. And I'm not the only one in this room who has probably been listening to the wrong voice all of my life. I don't even know where the fear that God took away from me in Haiti last week came from. It wasn't my mom and dad's fault. It wasn't this community's fault. I don't even know where the fear came from. But I know for a fact that I have been listening to the wrong voice my entire life. Because the voice I have been listening to kept the fear hidden and secure and driving my entire existence. Gideon must have been listening to the wrong voice. Gideon had been listening probably to his dad. Well, Gideon, you can't go do that, son. I mean, our clan is the weakest. I know that you want to go out there and fight the enemy and stand up for God and his name, but, but buddy, Gideon, we, we're pretty weak, man. I, let me tell you a story my dad used to tell me. Hey, Gideon, My grandfather told me the story one day when we were out plowing the field. We tried. We got up a bunch of men and we tried to go out and conquer the enemy and take some territory in God's name and for his sake. But Gideon, the enemy routed us and they took everything we had. It set us back probably 30 or 40 years. And ever since that, Gideon, we've just sort of tried to just stay out of the way. So Gideon, I'd probably do the same if I were you. Actually, Gideon, you know what? There's some wheat that needs to be threshed. The enemy found it in the storehouse that we had hidden over there in the woods. So Gideon, why don't we do this? This time, let's play it safer. Why don't you go to the wine press and thresh some wheat? See, there were generations, I believe, that were continuing to confirm the fact that Gideon, our clan's the weakest And Gideon bought into it, hook, line, and sinker, to where now Gideon, in the presence of God, is trying to tell God who he is. Hey, angel of the Lord, that sounds great. Thanks for having so much faith in me. But just in case, like, God forgot to tell you before you came down here to earth, Like, I am the weakest in my family. There's some of you in this very room. You've grown up in this little old community. And for generations, that has been said about your family. That you're the weakest. Or you're the dirtiest. Or you're the most broken. Or you're the most useless. Or you're the most forgotten. Your clan is the weakest. And of your family, 
you're probably the lowest on the totem pole. That's who Gideon thought he was. So what does God do? What's God do with this? What's God do with us? What's God going to do? And we can preach a message and it can sound good and have some passion behind it. And it can, it can just try to accomplish what man can accomplish in a Sunday morning worship service at church. But I don't care about what all of that's going to do. My question is, God, what are you going to do about it? Who are you? I'd love to know what pops into your mind right now. And I would ask the question, God, what are you going to do about it? Here's what God does about it. See, he's given you an identity. It's a God-given identity. There are, if you desire, God-given opportunities. I want you to write that down somewhere where you can take it away from here today. Because I, Lori and I have not talked. Lori is the one who sang. She gave the word after the first song this morning. Lori and I have not spoken. And Lori prophesied over you all that there would be some new lenses that you would see things through. She prophesied over this very point this morning in God's word that there are God-given opportunities. And here's what a God-given opportunity looked like for Gideon. Here's what the mighty warrior was given an opportunity to do. I want you to look at this. I want you to look in chapter, uh, let's go on to, let's just skip through. Um, Basically what God says towards the end of chapter six. He says, hey, mighty warrior, I know you're hiding in the wine press, scared to death and scared for your life and your family's life. But hey, I need you, mighty warrior to deliver my people from the hands of the enemy. This is Gideon's mighty warriors, God-given opportunity. Some of us would say that if we're reading this and studying this, and if this was an open class with many fewer people, some of us would probably say, wow, that sounds like and impossibility that this weak individual is going to be the one to deliver God's people from the enemy. And we don't just stop there. You guys, some of you have been in here. You've heard this story before. If you've never read this story, I would encourage you to read like chapter six and seven of, of Judges today because I don't know what happened. I honestly don't know what happened here. But we find Gideon hiding for his life and something clicked. Something snapped into Gideon's mind where he actually believed that he could go and defeat the enemy. I don't know what that was. I know some of you are thinking right now was, well, you know, he talked to God and he set out some fleeces. And if you read this story, you'll see what that means. 
He basically said, okay, God, if this is really you and you're gonna take weak me and defeat the Midianites and deliver Israel out of their hand, if you want me to do that, then God, you're gonna have to show me. And this is the story where uh, laying out a fleece actually comes from. Where he says, okay, I'm gonna lay this fleece out and if it's wet in the morning, then I'll do it, God. It's basically like, okay, God, if you turn this light red and I stop here, I'm gonna text this person back. But if it's green, I will never speak to them again. That's just how it goes with me. And so Gideon wakes up the next morning and, and the fleece is wet. And the only thing that I can come up with, this is me, this is what me and God have talked about. You have to go and figure out and have conversation with him but the only thing that I see clicking with Gideon to where he actually believed that he could go and deliver Israel from the enemy's hands is that he ran into the grace of God. Because in this story, just that one time, the fleece being wet in the morning was not enough. And most of us would be like, well, how dare you? How dare you actually now go back and question God a second time? I mean, he showed up, an angel of the Lord, wasn't that enough, mighty warrior? And then he gave you one more chance, make this piece of cloth wet in the morning, and if it's wet, I'll do it. How dare you, mighty warrior, ask for more? Look at this, Judges 6, 39th verse. Then Gideon said to God, you see, we can talk to God just like Gideon talked to God. Gideon said to God, don't be angry with me. Listen, Gideon, mighty warrior, if God was going to be angry with you, he would have been angry with you a long time ago. Some of us just need to start discovering just how good and gracious and kind and loving our Heavenly Father is. I can tell you in this room right now, there is not one of you that God is angry with. He says, God, don't be angry with me. Let me make just one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece. This time, make the fleece dry on the ground covered with dew. Do you see the relationship of the mighty warrior and God Almighty? It was real and it was personal. When I read this, I read this and it's almost like God is sitting there with Gideon. And if I could have one wish, God, it would be that this whole community, the southeastern part of the country, would have a relationship with you, God, like you're actually sitting there with them. That you and God, no matter who you are or what you've done, no matter what you think you bring to the table, because you don't get to bring anything to the table with God, You and God can have this kind of a relationship. So the story goes on and God 
fulfilled Gideon, mighty warrior's request. So here's his opportunity right here. To go fight the enemy. If you've read this story in chapter 7, Gideon does what any one of us would do. He rounded up as many people as he could. Hey, you want to go fight the enemy? He probably had hundreds of thousands of people say, no way. You know why? Because their father and grandfather and generations before them told them the same story. I told you guys that 40 years ago, we tried to fight the enemy and they killed us. And so he had probably 100,000 or more people say, heck no. But after all of the recruiting was done, he had 32,000 men. 32,000 of them were going to go defeat the enemy. Here's the opportunity. God says, hey, hey, Gideon, look at this. It says it right here in chapter seven. Hey, Gideon, verse two, you have too many men. You have too many men. Hold on a second. God, I had to, didn't hear you right. You, did you say I need more men? God says, hey, mighty warrior, you have too many men. And I'm not going to go down this sermon or teaching. Maybe we can talk about this in the near future. But let me just tell you something. God's kingdom does not operate like our world does. If you're trying to get out of whatever you're in, or you're trying to fight whatever is upon you by the way the world does it, oh, you may think that you have like achieved victory in the meantime and in the moment. But if we're not going at this thing we call life, the way God's kingdom operates, we will always be fighting against the world and ourself. The world does not lead to freedom. The world leads us into addiction. The world leads us into very unhealthy cycles. The world leads us into dependence on everything but our creator. We do not operate the way the, this world operates. I can go as far as to say this, and I'm not going to preach this this morning. Unpack this. Maybe I'm wrong. God, what was he talking about? What are you saying about this? That's what your conversation with God looks like. But if we actually are fitting in to this world and we are normal, looking like and sounding like everyone else, we may be doing this kingdom thing wrong. Gideon, you've got too many men. Go do this now, Gideon. He went and did this and he dropped down to 10,000 men. Surely that's right. This is an opportunity, a God-given opportunity. Surely now we're good. God says, no, Gideon, you have too many men. He takes them down to a river and he ends up with 300 men to go fight the enemy. Now, that's a beautiful part of the story. But this is what I want you to hear. Gideon 
mighty warrior, if he would have stayed in the wine press threshing wheat, God could have removed every single one of his trials. God, in his ultimate power, could have removed all of his enemies. God could have taken away every trial, strife, friction, unhealthy relationship, dark day of Gideon, mighty warrior's life, even if he would have remained in the wine press. If Gideon would have never come out of the wine press, God would have still seen Gideon as a mighty warrior. God asking Gideon, mighty warrior, to go fight the enemy with only 300 men was a God-given opportunity. Listen, not for God to prove himself. God doesn't need to prove himself. This was a God-given opportunity for Gideon to truly find out who God created him to be. I could say it this way. God is not trying to prove himself. He's trying to prove yourself. He's trying to prove who you are in Christ Jesus. He's trying to prove who you are with Jesus Christ. God could have done anything. He could have taken it out. Gideon could have remained a weak and afraid. And he still would have been mighty warrior in God's eyes. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to do anything to receive who God already sees us as. God could have accomplished what he wanted to accomplish by having a sea close in around him, a wall fall on the enemy. He could have sent more plagues. He could have sent... Anything that God wanted to do, but he gave Gideon an opportunity to discover who he really was. So listen, all of those things that are in your life this very moment, that seem like impossibilities, those things that are in your life this very second that are causing your heart to pound out of your chest, those trials that are in your life this very second that are causing you to doubt everything you've ever done. You hit that button on your computer and it takes you to your bank account and you see that dwindling number. Some of us, we look inward and we see a sin-ravaged life. Can I just tell you, 
Those are God-given opportunities for you to actually walk in your God-given identity. How else are we going to know who we are? How else are we going to walk in the true nature of our name? Tomorrow morning, maybe this afternoon, you're going to have a God-given opportunity for you to be who you truly are. This is how it worked with me. You see, for a long time, what I wanted God to do was just to clear the way, make the ground level, remove all obstacles, remove all people who may be an enemy, remove everything that is going to come against me or cause me strife, make my path easy, God. God could do that. But then you would have to die. You would have to go to heaven. You would have to go into his presence and be glorified before you ever truly knew who you are. So now, through new lenses, I see adversity. I see struggles. I see pain. I see what looks like on this side of eternity, defeats. I see those as God-given opportunities. For God to say, hey, Scott, Why don't you walk down that way and just look at who I made you to be. I wrote this little phrase down in my journal. I want to live the next 43 years. Not saying, oh no! That's how my fear and anxiousness is how it acted and responded in my mind. Every morning I'd wake up and I'm like, Oh no, what's next? To the point where I had a phobia and I would almost get crazy when my phone would ring or my phone would vibrate. I'd be like, oh no, what's going to be on the other end of this? I don't live oh no anymore. It's not oh no. It's okay. okay I wasn't planning on going this intimate I had a sinful a sinful debilitating crippling fear of man I didn't know it. 
But the Holy Spirit shed light on my sinful fear of man just 10 days ago. And God shines His light on you. And His light only strengthens you and exalts you and sets you freer than you've ever been before. And in an instant, when His light was shed on my sinful, debilitating fear of man, He didn't let me continue to soak in it. He took it from me. In an instant, the fear of man was ripped out of who I am. And so now, every day, every day is an opportunity. Every relationship every conversation every step that I take is a God given opportunity not so that I can beat my chest and say ha I beat the fear of man no every step and breath that I take is a God given opportunity for my dad to remind me of just who I am. I am not fearful, but I am courageous and I am strong and I am bold and I am fearless. And so it's not all no, it's okay. Everything, everything laid out before you is a God-given opportunity for you to walk in who God has known you to be all along.